All right. Can you hear me? Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, especially want to commend those of you whose New Year's resolution was to join us on the weekends more often. Uh, we'll do everything we can to make it worth the effort. And this weekend we open the Gospel of uh, Mark, uh, the OG, the original Gospel, uh, written by. See what I did there? That was funny. Uh, written by a Christ follower named John Mark. And between now and Easter, we'll be going chapter by chapter through this fast-paced story uh, written by an eyewitness to Jesus' life. Mark was just a boy living in Jerusalem when Jesus was here. Uh, his uh, mother's home was one of the places where the, uh, the believers originally gathered. Uh, we get the idea of, of that when Jesus was in town, Mark tagged along. Uh, we actually believe he was in the Garden of Gethsemane that night when Jesus was arrested. In chapter 14 of the, this book, there's this cryptic verse, uh, and Mark doesn't throw his name in there, but we believe he's talking about himself. He writes about being grabbed by the same guards that were arresting Jesus, and he's terrified. Uh, he'd probably woken up from a deep sleep, and here come the guards, and they're armed, and they're grabbing the Lord Jesus and arresting him, and it's just a scary experience for a kid but he says that uh, he wriggled out of his nightshirt and left them holding his nightshirt, and he ran away naked, uh, which is it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a scary story, but it's actually kind of funny to picture this little kid uh, running home to just tell people, yeah. and, uh, and it wasn't the only time he ran away. He had a propensity when uh, life got weird, he would bail. Uh, years later, his uncle Barnabas invited him to travel with, with Barnabas and the great apostle Paul to go out west into the other uh, countries uh, to start more churches, to, to, to convert more believers. And Mark, we know, is fluent in five languages. So he would have been valuable to them as they traveled. Um, Paul, the apostle Paul was known to suffer health problems. So the thought of having a strong young man with them would have been a good thing. But somewhere out in Turkey, he just bailed on him. And we don't know why. We don't know if he got spooked by the pagan religions or, or, if, he, or if he just got bored. Uh, but uh, for reasons unknown, um, he left. And what we do know is the Apostle Paul, it took him a long time to forgive this kid for what he did because they had needed him there. And uh, later Paul did trust him and reach out to him. But uh, you know, it was the Apostle Peter who really took a liking to John Mark and uh, invited him to become his traveling companion. And these guys traveled with uh, a personal secretary. There's actually a name for it, amanuensis. And that's who dictated their letters for them and who dictated their books for them. So what's interesting is uh, the books that Peter wrote, First and Second Peter, may have been actually written down by Mark, who was taking dictation. But on the other hand, Peter spent so much time with Mark, giving him all these personal anecdotes about the story of Christ. Mark started writing those down and organizing them, and he became the first gospel writer. It's called the Gospel of Mark, but it, could, it might as well be called the Gospel of Peter, uh, or the Gospel of Jesus according to uh, Peter. And knowing what we know about Simon Peter, we, we can get a glimpse of why he related well with this younger man, because Peter also failed miserably. Actually, on the very same night that Mark ran from the garden, Peter followed as a distance, but then when he was given the opportunity three times to confess that he was a follower after Christ, he was, he was afraid, and he denied Christ, and, and, and he wept bitterly. I mean, he knew what it was like to make a huge mistake, uh, 
but then to receive forgiveness personally from Christ and then to go on and serve the Lord faithfully uh, with true greatness. Peter, no doubt, would be one to remind Mark that failing doesn't make you a failure. I think it's very important for us to hear that, uh, that it's what you do after a stumble that really defines who you are and sets, sets you up for success. Failure doesn't disqualify you for success. Failure prepares you for success. And God is famous for, for, for recycling runaways. Just read the Old Testament. Many of our heroes were once on the run. Book of Genesis, Jacob runs from his brother Esau after stealing the birthright from him. Moses runs from Pharaoh after uh, murdering an Egyptian guard that was whipping one of his fellow Jews. Uh, David runs from the crazy King Saul. Elijah runs from the crazy Queen Jezebel. So Mark is in good company, uh, and, and, and God never gives up on the runaway. One of Jesus' most loved stories is about a runaway, uh, the, we, the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story about a young man who, who said to his father, give me my inheritance, which in that day and age is the same as saying, I wish you were dead. His father didn't do anything to deserve that kind of treatment. This kid took what was his and took off. And, uh, but God never gives up on him. And, and it, as the story goes, when the, when the kid runs out of money and, and, and comes to his senses, He's laying in this pig pen, rehearsing the speech for the father. You know, uh, I, I'm not worthy, blah, 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 blah. He comes back home down the path, and the father doesn't even let him make the speech. He just wraps a robe around him and puts a royal ring on him and says, get back in the house. We're going to have a big uh, party for you. You were wondering if you could ever come home. You were wondering if it was too late for you to, to, to rejoin uh, the family, and it's not. It's never, ever, ever too late which at one point in your life might have been really good news to you. So many of us have disappointed ourselves and others and God. We let people down. We let ourselves down. But then we gather together and we open our Bibles and we read these stories and we read these, these, these truths about who God really is and what his heart really is for, for the repentance and uh, that, that God loves restoring people, restoring the repentant. I mean, we would, we would, we would do well to, to heed the Apostle Paul's words here at the beginning of the year. Just forget the past. Let it go. Some of you, there's things in 2017 you just as soon forget. How many of you would say 2017 was a total disaster? Yeah, yeah, you're over it. You're totally over it. Yeah, well, forget about it. Move on. Forget what's behind and strain towards what is ahead. Picture yourself right near a finish line. And, oh, I'm straining toward it. Press on, Paul says, toward the goal. Don't, don't sit there and say, oh, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. Hey, it's a new year. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called you. Heaven. Go back to what he's called you to in Christ Jesus. Just decide today to leave 2017 in God's hands. You'll sort it out later. And let's move into the new year. Can you do that? You think you can? All right, then. We're ready to enter into a new book of the Bible. Book of Mark. Open up. Let's read. Let's see how far we can get before I have to stop and talk. <laughs> I already know that. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. There we are. 
<laughs> yeah, because hey, nowadays if you want to know what a book is about, you open up the cover or you read the Amazon uh, or you, you table of contents. But back then you wrote in scrolls and you don't have any of that. In ancient times, if you want people to know what your scroll is about, you better not bury the lead or they're not going to keep reading. And the best writers do this, including Mark. This is how it all started, Mark said. This is good news. The gospel, the good news is, is a person. It's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Christ was such good news for the first century Roman Empire. You know why? This guy, Caesar Nero. Oh, what a crazy, wacky, insane person this guy was. And he's in charge. He thought he was awesome. But he wasn't. He, he was appalled when he found out that members of his own household were following after Jesus of Nazareth. Sneaking over to, to visit with the Apostle Paul in prison there in Rome. He didn't like the Christians at all. See, this guy had taken to calling himself a son of the gods, calling himself gospel, good news. I'm good news, he would say. Peter, or Nero starts a, a fire in Rome. He wants to remodel Rome, so he just decides to burn a bunch of people's houses down. But the fire blazes out of control for six days. Much of Rome is decimated. The city is furious. The Senate is meeting. And everything's tracing back to, to Nero himself starting the fire. So he, 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 he was the master of diversion. Blame the Christians. The Christians started this fire. Soon he had executed Peter and Paul. It's in this, stre this stressful, dangerous season that, that Mark decides he better publish some good news. And with his very first words, he sets the record straight. It's Jesus and only Jesus that is gospel. It's Jesus and the only son of the only God who is good news. So I got news, good news for you, he says. Buckle your seatbelts. And then he takes them to verse 2 where Mark leaves us uh, or takes us to the Jordan River uh, where John the Baptist is confronting Israel with their sin. And remember, John is the final Old Testament prophet. He's not re he not really should, shouldn't be in the New Testament. He, he's an Old Testament prophet. He dresses like one. He, he hollers at people like one. He speaks truth like one, fearlessly. Uh, and uh, he, he comes to be the promised messenger that Messiah promised. As it is written, it says in verse 2 in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts. Wild honey. Okay. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is little baby John, though, had been born 30 years earlier. You remember the Christmas story, Elizabeth, Zechariah, but now he's John the baptizer. He comes out of the desert, 
preaching such a convicting message that all Jerusalem comes out to hear this guy. He stands in the shallow water of the Jordan River, the same river the Israelites crossed to enter into the promised land. And he invites the truly repentant to join him in the water and be baptized to prepare themselves for God's Messiah. And then Messiah comes. Oh my goodness, it's Jesus, John said. See, John hadn't been told who Messiah was. John had just been told, watch for the one that the dove or, or something, the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon him. So there he is. Jesus comes from Nazareth, verse 9. and was baptized by John in Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So here the Trinity reveals itself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Spirit rests on the Son. The Father's voice booms through the heaven. This is the one. This is who you've been waiting for. He's going to set all things right. Jesus comes to reveal the Father to people who had misunderstood the Father. Jesus comes to reveal Holy Scripture to people who had misquoted Holy Scripture. Jesus comes to confront the evil one. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. A 40-day battle with temptation that forever bonds us with Christ whenever we go through seasons of temptation. Wouldn't it be great if temptation was just this one thing that you experienced every once in a while? You're like, oh, I, I was tempted yesterday. No. True temptation is this ongoing draw towards the wrong thing. Jesus goes out for 40 days and he's pulled in towards the wrong things by the devil himself in this showdown between the Son of God and this fallen angel, Lucifer. And Jesus emerges from the wilderness of temptation unscathed, proving that temptation can be overcome in the power of Christ. The devil can be resisted. It's not hopeless. Now, as Jesus is attacked by evil, there's something else out there that should be attacking him that wasn't attacking him. And it's strange. And I've never seen this before, but Mark says it right here in verse 13, where he says, he, Jesus was with the wild animals. And Mark uses a word to say he was like right there with the wild. They were in proximity to one another. Naturally, you know, the Judean wilderness was this wild, woolly wilderness. Everybody knew you don't go out there at night uh, you take weapons out there. You know, David uh, was out there in that wilderness uh, herding sheep, and he knew to, to have a rod and a staff and a sling because uh, you could, there, were, there were small, like, bobcats, lions. They're hungry. There were packs of dogs that, that, hadn't, that, that would hunt in packs. Um, there were lions. There were bears in the wilderness. But, but Mark says it right here. He says, uh, Jesus was, was with them. In other words, they were, there, was, there was peace. Um, just, like, just like Daniel in, in the lion's den there. They were nearby, but not uh, attacking him. Jesus was perfectly safe. Uh, and I believe Mark is doing something here. I believe he's telling his first readers who Jesus is. 
let me explain. In, in Jewish tradition, there was a sense that this in between, enmity, enmity, there it is, uh, between humans and wild animals was not how things were supposed to be. That uh, before the fall of man, uh, we all got along better. The ancient uh, prophets fostered this dream, like, like where Isaiah says in chapter 11, uh, the wolf will eventually dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat, the calf and the lion, the cow and the bear. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, putting his hand in the viper's den. Mark is telling his original readers who Jesus is. He's the one who could bring, bring peace to all of creation. The creator restoring creation. The apostle Paul says it as well in the book of Colossians. For God in all his fullness, he says, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself, not just human beings, everything. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. All right, back to our story where Jesus comes out of the Judean wilderness now after resisting every temptation thrown at him, and he travels north. Uh, verse 14, after John is put in prison, Jesus goes up from being baptized in the Jordan all the way up uh, into the Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus says. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus calls his first disciples. He walks by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees disciples, and he calls them to himself. He says, hey, guys, you're great fishermen. How about if I teach you how to fish for people? And they're like, that sounds interesting. And they, 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 leave, their, they leave their career, actually. And they begin to follow after Christ, becoming the first disciple. And then in verse 21, they go to the northern edge of the lake to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus goes into the synagogue and begins to teach. And the people in the synagogue were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. He shocked them. This unschooled, Rabbi who had never been to Jerusalem to the universities there and studied under the most famous of rabbis. He comes out of Nazareth of all places and yet he speaks as one with unusual authority. This English word authority, it's, uh, it's, it, it's from the Hebrew, smicha, smicha. Uh, it means someone who speaks not saying, hey, here's an opinion or here's a thought or maybe it's this or maybe it's that. It's someone who just tells it like it is, and speaks with authority as if they're laying out truth beyond dispute. And the rabbis that these people in Capernaum were used to hearing were nothing like this. They were guys that would just say, well, you know, I studied in this school, whatever, so this rabbi thinks this is the interpretation of that, and this one thinks this is the interpretation of that, so, you know, you'll have to decide for yourself. Jesus didn't talk like that at all. Jesus said, this is the way walk in it. This is the truth. And it was considered presumptuous, borderline blasphemy to speak with smakah unless you had been, the hands had been laid on you in Jerusalem and, and their blessing was there that your interpretation of scripture was, was the correct one. But Jesus always spoke that way. And that's why he became so popular in regions like the Galilee because these people were ready for somebody who would just say what it is instead of always giving them all these options and we don't know. And, and for Jesus to just say, let me tell you what it is. And he'll, Jesus is going to constantly say, you know, you've heard it taught like this. That's wrong. This is the truth. 
And that's what got him so hated in Jerusalem because these guys didn't like to be contradicted like that. So when they argued with him and Jesus never backed down, that's when they plotted to start getting rid of him. All right, back to the synagogue at Capernaum where Jesus reveals he doesn't just have authority to speak. Uh, oh, by the way, this is the synagogue at Capernaum. So um, it's cool when you can go and be on site uh, and see I don't know, just the feel for Jesus here talking to these people. Verse 23, just then a man at their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, whoa, there's a guy in their church that has the devil inside of him. There's a guy in their synagogue that's, that's possessed by an impure spirit and he, 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 he identifies Jesus. He cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Wow. The demon knew that Christ possessed authority. The demon knew that Jesus of Nazareth wasn't Jesus from Nazareth. The demon was terrified. You can see he doesn't want to fight. He just wants to know what Jesus is going to do to him. Verse 20, 25, no, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Now, it would not have shocked these people that this man uh, was possessed by a demon. Uh, in this part of the world, everyone believed in angels and demons, and they understood that demons desired for some weird reason to, to inhabit flesh. Uh, there were exorcism rituals on the books that you could pull up. And there were rabbis that, that this was kind of their line of work. But the exorcism rituals are really loud and lengthy, sometimes violent, um, sometimes dangerous. One of the rituals literally encourages the exorcist to drill a hole in the skull of the person so that the demon can escape their brain. I'm thinking that one never really worked that well. <laughs> what would have been shocking these people is how calm Jesus just looks at the guy and says, hey, you, you gotta go. Not the guy, the demon possessing him. Jesus has authority. He doesn't even have to raise his voice. So the gospel was very good news, especially for this man, this tortured man, that day, he had made his way to synagogue on Sabbath, hoping that that someone was there who could help him. I wonder how long he'd attended this congregation, but he got no relief until Jesus showed up. Throughout his ministry, demons are going to confront Christ, especially when he travels up north in this region. And 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 I personally think the reason being this region uh, was first of all mixed Gentile and Jew, and there were a lot of pagan temples in this area and a lot of worship of the Roman and Greek gods of nature. And when you study these gods of nature, it, 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 they're creepy, and so you do get the sense that there are demonic forces attached to these gods of the north. People back then knew that the spirit world was, was real, like people today in our Bay Area. The majority of the East Bay believes there's more than this material world at play and in action on any given day. Uh, and even our entertainment, many of our movies these days, our TV shows that we binge watch are about uh, the 
you know, the underneath or uh, about the zombie apocalypse or about uh, the walking dead or uh, about, about what, what goes on in the spirit world. Even the Star Wars movies are very, very spiritual uh, in nature. So I think it's very important that we be a church that understands our age and we address these issues because for many people, this is not just entertainment. This is a sense of, yeah, that's, uh, it's, the, the, there's stuff going on that we cannot explain. Churches need to be available to separate facts, uh, fiction from, from fact. I mean, God forbid that someone would actually believe the underlying uh, Star Wars crap. I mean, no, movies are great. Don't get me wrong. But the whole thing of how evil and good are equal and that there's this one force and you can tap into it this way or tap in it, it's the same force. No, that's ridiculous. That's not true at all. They aren't equal at all. Evil is no match for good. Evil finds its source in a created but fallen angel, a created being who rebelled from a very good and powerful God. So Jesus, the son of the most high God, didn't meet his match in the wilderness like Luke Skywalker. I mean, Jesus goes out and, and has a, 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 a very powerful encounter. Yeah, I mean, Lucifer scares me to death, but it doesn't scare Jesus. Lucifer is created by Jesus. He's an underling who went bad. And when Jesus meets this one demon in this synagogue, that's, it's nothing for Christ to say, be quiet, and the demon is quiet. Come out of him, and the demon shrieks on his way out of the building. One of the things we notice is how terrified the demons are of Christ. And they're still afraid of him, whether we're talking about first century Israel or 21st century Bay Area. We do the East Bay a great favor when we talk openly about these things, about the spirit world, presenting a biblical understanding of good and evil, of angels and demons, separating reality uh, from, from, from just a, a good story and moving fearlessly into any story with Jesus and definitely moving fearlessly into life because we don't have to be afraid of the devil. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of the demons. We have good news for the East Bay, and our good news is powerful, and our good news is bad news for the devil. And we can be known as a church that knows exactly how to deal with evil and how to help people get evil things out of their life. We can be a church that understands how to exercise the authority that Jesus gave us when he says, all authority has been given unto me. Now you go and exercise this authority over Evil And evil's not just this force that's out there. Evil is personalized in Lucifer and his demons. So when we are coming against evil, we're not coming against this cloudy, dark thing. We're coming against personalities that oppose our God. And we are in Christ. And in Christ, we move forward with authority. It's not like your knees aren't shaking, but nevertheless, you keep moving forward because Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. That was a little bit of a weak amen. I don't know if you're just scared or you're, you're still back at being mad at me about the Star Wars thing. <laughs> Jesus came to show that he had authority over evil, and it's not just in chapter one. Go to chapter five. If we had time, we'd go to chapter nine, but you'll have to do that on your own. Chapter five. 
They go across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. So now they're not in Capernaum. They're in a boat, and this is just a different day. And they go over here to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, this is modern-day Kursi. Um, in your Bible, it'll say Gadarenes, Gerasenes. But this region, see, Jesus is now out of the country. Even modern day, this is Jordan. And Jesus is not just reaching out to Jewish people. He's reaching out to these people. And these people are not Jewish. And you're going you're gonna to see that pretty quickly because there's a herd of 2,000 pigs in the story. It's not exactly kosher country, if you know what I'm saying. But this is, there's a region here of 10 cities that were aligned politically, militarily, uh, economically, and they're strong. It's called the Decapolis, Deca, 10, 10 cities. Jesus comes uh, and, and, and docks at one of the, do- the boat docks that would be for these cities. Chapter 5, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. He had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. He had been given supernatural strength. He was absolutely insane. But no one was strong enough to subdue him. So they just banished him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He was a cutter. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This poor guy, he, something inside of him, how did he know who Jesus was? Something inside of him said, that guy, he can help me, he can help me. But then the demon screams out, what do you want with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Jesus goes on. Tell me your name. The demon says, Legion, Legion. We're many. And the demon begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of this area. The demon knew that Jesus was going to expel them. But there's something about this region that that was was a very comfortable place for these, these fallen angels to live and operate. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave him permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. Deviled ham. The herd about... Uh, well, the sermon's kind of intense, you know, you gotta, uh, you need a laugh. The herd, about 2,000 in number, that is a, that is a lot of pork, uh, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. So this kind of backfired uh, on the demons. Uh, and those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Jesus had just been, become very unpopular in the Decapolis. Uh, he's he's going to be hard for the economy if this guy sticks around. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Okay, that's cool. But look at their response. What does it say? What does it say? Are you, you have your Bible? They were afraid. They were afraid. That's just weird. They were comfortable with this guy being possessed by a legion of demons as long as he lived out in the graveyard. 
as long as they could compartmentalize the insane and do something with them, then life could go on. But as soon as somebody came and started solving these kind of problems, knowing the amount of power it would have taken to solve this problem scared the daylights out of these people. These are pagan idol worshipers. They don't know who Jesus is, but he's, he's just cast demons out and away. And it scared these people to death. Verse 17, they begin to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Okay, let me just say this about that. We talk a lot about repairing the fabric of the East Bay. But there's people on the East Bay that don't think the fabric is torn. And when we start doing our repairs, they're not going to necessarily appreciate that. Christians, um, actually, in big numbers, are considered kind of a nuisance to society. We've been branded politically. Uh, we, we, we have an agenda that's supposedly narrow-minded, bigoted, hateful. So when we actually start moving as a singular unit, as a body, as a, a, and we start effecting change, some people are going to go, oh, my goodness, thank you so much, Cornerstone. That is so cool what you guys are doing out there. And some people are going to say, we got to stop this before it gets out of hand. So just be aware that Christ's ministry is not tame and cannot be tamed. And when we figure out everything that we're supposed to be doing out there, some are going to oppose us and want us to not be around. And that's when we'll stand our ground like Jesus did and speak and act with loving, gracious, stubborn authority. But they ask him to leave, verse 18. He says, all right. Jesus was getting into the boat to leave. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus didn't let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the entire 10 cities. He, he, he traveled around and told his story for the rest of his life, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I bet they were. What a powerful story he had. Cornerstone, let me say this. It's our stories that are going to draw people in. How you used to be addicted, but somehow now you aren't. How you used to be angry and hateful, downright mean, and somehow now you aren't. How you used to be a tyrant at work, and somehow now you aren't. Even your own family members who saw you go out in those prodigal days and those prodigal ways that you lived out, but now... Your life is consistently telling another story. Even what comes out of your mouth is different as you tell your story. Cornerstone, we've got to be telling our stories more. How Jesus set you free. 
from captivity. How grace and mercy have won the day and, and completely redeemed you. I want to encourage every one of you to be bold this year. Put into words exactly what Jesus has done for you and figure out all the different ways you can tell that story. And, 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 and when you talk, raise your voice a little bit because you don't know who's sitting nearby who actually needed to hear what it is that you have to say. Uh, sometimes we are very near people whose life is a total nightmare, and we, we don't know it. Remember that man in Capernaum? He, he went to be near people who he thought could help him. He went to a synagogue, but he wasn't helped until Jesus came in to the story. Now, people need Jesus, and Jesus resides in so many of you. Sometimes uh, we hold him in way too much. Your neighbors need someone like you. Your coworkers need someone like you. Those that go to school with you, they need someone like you. Not to preach at them, but to minister to them in power, in authority. But first, there are many of us who still need to be released from our own captivity. And you know what? That's how we'll end today. On all of our campuses, what we'll do is um, I'll pray and, 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 and then we'll ask the worship team to lead us in a song, maybe two. Uh, I don't think, hopefully you don't need to rush off. Hopefully you can stay with us because what we're going to do is we're going to invite anyone who, who really is feeling that, that they really would like someone to come alongside them and help uh, help fight with them. And you came to church hoping that uh, there would be people there who could pray with you about what you're going through. You may even be sensing spiritual forces at work uh, and they overplayed their hand and you actually, it was no shock to you that we're gonna be talking about the spirit world because you've, been in, you've, you've had some negative brushes with the spirit world lately. But we're not afraid of the devil in this room. And we're not afraid of his demons. And we're going to help you find release and freedom in Christ. Father, I come to you now and I pray for anyone in this room that has felt bound up. And even as I've been talking, they identified it as such. I pray for anyone in this room that's been fighting battles and losing the fight. The thought that they could... Be with Jesus in that wilderness and come out as a winner is almost beyond their comprehension. They've just resigned themselves to the fact that they have an addictive personality. Therefore, they're always going to be this way. They, they, they're just like that. And people will just have to deal with it. They're, they're not going to be as happy as other people. They're always going to be subject to depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Father, that is not your way to leave us in that wilderness. But as you fight temptation, you take us out there and you show us how to fight it and we come back and Lord, we begin to speak and act with authority. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. And give us the authority we need to fight the evil one and to win. And Lord, we pray for our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members who aren't following after you and Lord, we take authority over that. We pray for our rebellious children, those of us that are struggling with children, with prodigals. We're gonna pray them home. Bring us home.